following program does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff or management of WFMD. Yeah, somebody just said, uh, but they could. We don't know for sure if they represent the, the views of the station's management or not. They haven't shared. We, we should poll them before every show <laughs> and say, here's what we're talking about. Maybe, maybe, maybe after every show. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what we're intending to say. Do you agree or disagree? So we don't know. But because we're right, and they, clearly they want to be right, I'm sure they would agree. They just don't want to say so publicly. Hello, this is the Faith Debate on News Radio 930 WFMD. Thank you for spending part of your Sunday morning with us. I'm Troy Skinner, and the other voices you heard chiming in already, in no particular order, David Forsey, Daniel Rasvi, and Imran Rasvi. Um, and by the way, in case you're wondering, uh, most people that know uh, Imran call him Raz. But with two Razvis in the room and referring to him as Raz Razvi, it's just, I feel like it, it confuses me. And I know I'm really easily confused, but there's got to be one other person out there who's easily confused and might be confused by that. So just for clarity, I'm not, I mean, it is his given name, so I'm not trying to be disrespectful <laughs> or unfriendly. But uh, you can razz me about that later if you like. Right. <laughs> um so we did a series of shows recently where David wasn't a part of it. We were talking about, you know, family matters, uh, marriage, relationship, those sorts of things. And we're, we're picking up on that today. We've got some specific topics and, and targets in mind. We might possibly swing back to touch on some of them and see if David has some, some thoughts that he would have uh, shared and opined with us um, last time, but we'll see how, how it goes. Last time we talked about marriage relationships and parenting and uh, uh, relating to your children at the heart level, talked about adoption quite a bit. We did a couple of shows, if I remember correctly, on adoption and the issues related to that. And today we're transitioning and to talk about uh, learning disabilities and parenting children that have some uh, difficulties in that area. If you're wondering where these topics came from, there is a uh, organization that's been around for how long now? Fifteen years. Fifteen. Fifteen years. Eighteen years. Um, that the the Rasvies founded. Imran, I guess, and your and your wife yes. uh, founded. Tammy. Tammy. Rasvies Tammy. And I, Tammy and I founded this Conquer by Love. Yeah. And uh, it is really designed to give uh, tools to parents on um, how to overcome some challenges that children might have, whether it's learning disabilities, whether it's emotional challenges, or just raising a child, because they don't really get born with an owner's manual. And unlike years past where you live with your parents and grandparents and you got help and advice and wisdom, a lot of families now live without any extended family, so they don't have that help or wisdom that's been learned over ages. So we've put together about 45 books. They're very thin books because we know parents don't have a lot of time just to tackle some of those challenges and issues and hopefully give some good practical information. And if you want to learn more about those books and the other resources, the website is conqueredbylove.org. Conquered by Love Ministries, I guess, is the full name of the organization, but conqueredbylove.org is their website. And the books they have on this uh, topic that I found on your website anyway, Overcoming Learning Disabilities, Is Your Child Struggling, and Brain Development. Um, you mentioned that you have some children in your home that uh, have struggled with some learning disabilities. I don't think any of your children uh, would, would qualify as learning disabled, but I don't know your family as well as maybe I should. Is there anything? Yeah, no, not, not anything in particular, um, you know, or, or severe in any way. Um, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I might have some general thoughts to share on sure on the top by the way that's the voice of david forsey so you can start to connect voices with with names um i do have a, an adult disabled son that's going to be 30 this year so i've got some experience on that matter but before um you know i i share some things um 
Daniel, you're, you haven't been the parent of a learning disabled child, but if you've got a learning disabled child in the home when you're growing up, that has some impact. What what was it like? You know, I don't know the nature of the disability or whatever. What's it like not being learning disabled yourself? I'm assuming you're not, you're the, unless you're dyslexic or something. I don't know. You know, some, I, th- I think this disability is you don't. I, I, I think don't that's know. A, that actually. Um, what I would say about that is is part of part of the issue is all those labels, and a lot of people they try to rush to label things like dyslexia or, or, or dyslexia or whatever else you want to say, whatever disability it is, <clears throat> many of them are not actually like a, like a physical thing that's, that's permanent. I mean, you could be born with missing your left arm, for example. You're never going to grow that arm back, right? But if it has to do with the brain, a lot of that actually can be uh, changed, can be improved, and, and so on. And it's not like a permanent physical um, thing. A lot, a lot of them... Not all, but a lot of them do have to do with environment and, and other things. I'm sure we'll get to that. Um, but I didn't see it as any different. I mean, I when we adopted, we had you know 12-year-olds that would come into the home, did not know how to add 2 plus 2. Uh, we had 5- and 6-year-olds that could not do one of those little um, uh, puzzles with the with the knob on the end that you pick and put in the uh, you know one piece at a time in the puzzle. Um, but that wasn't because their brains didn't work. It's just because of the environment they were in. So that all of them had many, many labels uh, from the public school that they had been in that had all these uh, learning disabilities that they are not ever going to be able to learn to read, um, ever going to be able to do math and, and, and all of this. But that turned out all to be false. I mean, all of them got to be very well educated and highly intelligent and all of that. So uh, the labels, in, in my experience, the labels that are assigned to kids are quite often, uh, they're, they're overused and parents use them as a as a oh, well, my, my child has this, okay, that's, that's how they are. Kind of like the example I said about being born without an arm. Well, okay, that's the way they are. They're not going to grow another arm. Now, you can still do things. You can walk uh, with one leg. You can you know, carry things with one arm. You don't have to have two arms for everything. So even when there is a physical disability, there are things you can do. But a lot of people just make the assumption, oh, because somebody slapped a label on them, that's it. There's nothing to do about it. Yeah, that's the voice of Daniel Razvi, by the way. I'm going to turn to Imran Razvi here in a second. Uh, I know that you've got um, a family with biological children and adopted children. I'm curious, uh, any of the children that have had learning difficulties, uh, were they uh, adopted? And if so, did you know going in that we're taking on uh, a child that's going to have some learning difficulties? And uh, and if so, did that affect your decision making like yeah we're that much more gung-ho we want to help this child or boy i hope we're up to the task on this um i was a little more hesitant than my wife Uh, my wife had done tammy had done a lot of study on brain development and challenges environmental challenges and so she she really feels like there's no challenge that she can't handle or god can't handle and uh she would do that go ahead dang okay so um my issue was you know, somebody that uh, had a severe disability um, like spina bifida, I didn't think I would be able to handle, okay? Or Down syndrome, I, I wasn't sure if I was uh, had the tools and ability to do that. But the kid, most of the children in foster care have learning disabilities because they don't have a stable background. They don't have a, have a stable home. And many of them are labeled learning disabled, uh, unable to read, never going to be able to read or write or, do, or function properly in society. And most of that is because society has given up on them. The school system has given up because they have nobody to help them. And so what we found is most of these children, you, you identify a problem, 
you label it, and you medicate it. So they were all medicated. And we had to take them off the medication, a little at a time with the doctor's help, uh, and then start developing the brain in ways. And there are, there are different things, different exercises that uh, my wife and I and have had done to help them develop their brain and to be able to think and uh, react properly. And uh, it's a process. So every child's, every baby's brain develops. And in fact, uh, there are some studies done <coughs> where... Um, Half the brain was removed because of an accident or a tumor or something, and these children end up excelling better than regular killer children that had full brains. Why? Because the exercises and the techniques that, that the doctor used was able to more than compensate for that half missing half brain. They had to relearn stuff, but they had if they did the things in in certain ways and certain things. Um, the doctor's name is slipping me now. Uh, Glenn Doman. He did. Uh, he wrote many books on. Um, child development on, on learning disabilities and on, on achieving your human potential. He was a humanist. He wasn't a um, Christian. He was a humanist, but he felt that the human potential was vast. And he was able to prove that. And there's many books, um, you know, achieving your human potential. Uh, a baby can learn to read. A baby can do math. And we were exposed to that really at, at Daniel when Daniel was a baby. And we thought that was interesting. But then we used a lot of that material and information to help with the adopted children that really did not have those skills. Yeah. Um, you're big in the homeschooling community, David. Yeah. Uh, have, have you, in that environment, run into many families that have special needs children, developmentally mm. delayed children, uh, learning disabled children? Uh, I don't. I don't think that we have many um, in our circles that uh, that do. I mean, you know, there are. Yeah, it's tough, and I will say, reason, part of the reason I was asking one, I thought you might have an interesting anecdote and some insight from that perspective, but uh, another reason I asked it was, you know, I've, we, we've had a child who, since birth, we knew we had some challenges yeah. on our hand. We didn't know the exact nature of the challenges at first, but over time, those challenges begin to reveal themselves, and that's true with any child. You have challenges with any child, but uh, all the typical parenting books, all the typical anecdotal stories that your aunts and uncles and grandparents can share with you they don't really fit the situation and it's like okay what do we do and so we learned an awful lot uh the first you know three four five years with our son through early intervention therapeutic approaches and some really good people that god blessed to bring into our path that we we were naive we didn't know we wouldn't have known a good therapist from a bad therapist, a good doctor from a doc bad doctor. We wouldn't have known. And yet we had some really good people. And looking back, I'm even more persuaded how good they were because we've had since then some not so good people. <laughs> we didn't realize how good we had it at first. And our daughter, who's not, you know, special needs in any typical way of understanding that, she really benefited because she was younger. And all those uh, early intervention kinds of things we were doing with our son, we applied those same strategies to our daughter, and she was, like, off the charts in her early development. I mean, she was doing stuff at 18 months that typically you wouldn't expect till three years old. I mean, no exaggeration. She was, like, way off the charts. And so I would encourage anybody who's a parent or a grandparent who wants to help their, their you know, their children be better parents, do some reading about what are some really good strategies for helping special needs children and apply those same kinds of principles to typical kids, I think you'd be surprised. Um, a couple of things I want to say real quick, the labels thing, boy, that's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because we do want to properly identify what something is. And if you can simplify your language, say, rather than taking 12 hours to try to explain to somebody what my son's challenges are, those who are in the field 
of dealing with these sorts of things. All I got to do is say my son has a, a dual diagnosis. He's in the uh, severe slash moderate portion of the of the autism spectrum, and he has Williams syndrome. And people who know their field, they're like, oh. First of all, they're going to say, that's a really odd combination. Yes, it is. <laughs> but, okay, that's interesting. Now tell me, fill in some of the, the details about how it affects him specifically. So labels can be helpful. can also unlock uh, different programs. There are certain agencies and services and monies that are available for specific labels, right, for specific diagnoses. And if you don't get the diagnosis, you can't access those things. And so that's a problem. However, the labels can be rather limiting. They can be limiting. They can be erroneous. Uh, they can shift over time, which can cause confusion. In fact, the autism community is dealing with that. I don't know if you pay attention to these things, but um, when my son was a child, um, Asperger's was part was understood to be something related to autism. Was on the, on the spectrum, maybe, but it was something other because the 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 syndrome as it presents is different. Well, about. I don't know, five, ten years ago or something, a lot of the people in the uh, psychological services and special needs services and stuff, they decided to get uncomfortable with the Asperger's label, and a lot of these medical institutions started dropping the diagnosis. And now even the World, 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 World Health Organization, we all learned the last few years how much influence the World Health Organization wields. <laughs> They decided that they're not going to recognize it as an official diagnosis either, and that went to effect January of this year. So now, basically, in 2022 is the first time in my son's life that there is no Asperger's world officially. But seriously, I've met people on the spectrum that they would identify as Asperger's. I would recognize them as Asperger's. And it's not a negative thing, and it helps to distinguish. And now those people are left without a label. That, they, that helped them to know who they were and what their struggles were. And now that labels, so the labels as a double-edged sword uh, for sure. It looked like you were leaning in to say something a second. I kept rambling, no? So I would just say, let's, let's step back then. We talked about identifying about different things about learning disabilities and some tools that you can use to uh, help the children. Is, what can we say from a biblical perspective? What is, how does the Bible talk about teaching children and... If yeah, well, struggle. one of the things I think is really important to keep in mind, because most of the people who are in these fields, because most of the people in the world, it's not specific to this field, it's just most people in the world, they're not Bible-believing Christians, right? They, 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 that doesn't really, it isn't ultimately what shapes their worldview, it's not, you know, so, uh, but if you're a believer and you're listening to us talk about this, then you've got to remind yourself what you know to be bedrock truth, and it starts with... Every individual is fearfully and wonderfully made. Every single yep. human being is an image bearer of God. Now, all of us are a marred image bearer. None of us yep. perfectly reflect the image of God. So we're all a fractured mirror, if you will. And some of us, those fractures present in a way that's more noticeable to watching eyes. Uh, I might be just as fractured or more fractured than my son, but secular eyes don't notice my fractures the way they notice his. And, for example, right. my son is, and this is like the typical, you know, special needs child parent response. This is no joke, no exaggeration. My son is the most forgiving, humble, uh, take you at your word, trusting, loving person I know in my life. That's not me. 
<laughs> Before we started the shows tonight, I was venting about some things that bothered me and agitated me, right? And I said some sassy things to people today. My son doesn't do that, but he's got other challenges. And, and my challenges are perceived to be okay because, well, we all have those challenges. But we, don't, we went to a church once, though, uh, in town, in Frederick, and uh, they came to know us better, and it wasn't an issue over time. But the very first time we walked in, somebody, a young, young child, like a 10- or 12-year-old probably, walked up to my wife and asked if our son was demon-possessed. Wow. So, <laughs> so it is important for you, if you have a special needs child, to understand that they are an image bearer just like you are. And this ties to something Daniel said when he was talking about um, you get the label, and then it's like they can't learn to read. They're never going to learn to do math. That hap- actually, they tried to do that with our son. Um, and they, what happens is they treat them like cases, not like people. And so they're cases to be managed, not people to be loved and, and encouraged and helped to grow. And so they're checking boxes. And so they wanted to give um, our son, the, this is an offensive term in today's culture. It wasn't when I was a kid, but it is now. But I'm not sure if it's still technically a diagnosis or not, but at the time it was, you know, the word retarded. And they wanted to give him the diagnosis of retarded. And, we're, and we were supposed to sign off on that as parents. And as I learned by this point, I wasn't, like I said before, I was really naive when it started. <laughs> you learn not to be so naive after a while. And so I was like, well, before I sign anything, I want to look into what I'm signing here. And I looked it up, and basically the way the definition read on retardation, it was unable to learn. Uh-huh. And I said, I'm not signing that. Well, why not? Because you're telling me that my son is unable to learn, and I know for a fact he has learned lots of things already. <laughs> right. So he's yeah. able to learn. Well, but we mean he's not going to learn to read. He's not going to learn how to do math. And I said, yeah, you know what? Um, and, I might and, be a fool, but I believe in a God that can work miracles, and I also believe that we can be new creations in Christ. So there's a biblical slant too, and I'm going to hope the best, pray the best, and work the best. And you know what? He doesn't read like at a college level, but our son reads today. Mm-hmm. Our son can do basic, simple math today, probably like at a third grade level. So he wasn't supposed to be able to do any of that. So don't let the system bully you into something. So we have had experience with that, not to that degree, but we did have an experience with that when we adopted. Several of the children had been told by everybody, by teachers, by social workers, mm-hmm. by foster parents, by everybody, that they were unable to learn things and they were dumb. They were stupid. And this is what they were told, and this is what they believed about themselves. So whenever we would try to teach them something, oh, no, I can't do that. I'm stupid. Oh, no, I don't, I don't know how to do that. I'm dumb. I'm dumb. I'm stupid. And, and they could not even bring themselves to the frame of mind to attempt the task because they believed it was insurmountable because of what they had been told. And that's where labels can really have an impact, not just on the parents. The parents, not you know, in some cases, not, there are many parents who really do give their all to try to help the children. And there's some, some parents that say, oh, well, nothing I can do about it. That's the way you are. But even from the children, if they start to believe that, then they're, they believe there are obstacles that cannot be overcome. So it took years just to get them to believe that they could learn things. And then finally, you know, uh, one of them said to my mom one day, oh, I'm smart. Yes, you're right. We've been telling you that for years. Well, you, you know, we smart. live in a world where the labels have become the identities, and that's a problem. Maybe that's kind of a big part of the point you're trying to make here. Right. So if somebody um, has a difficult time reading, uh, that doesn't – they don't – I wouldn't identify – I am a poor reader. No, no. I am a person who struggles to read. Like, there's a difference, right? Right. Um, you know, my, my son 
um, he's on the spectrum, but his identity isn't autistic, if that makes any sense. Well, his identity is in Christ. Like, it's, it's <laughs> his identity is a loved son of his mother and father. So yeah, in that case, the labels can be really damaging. Mm -hmm. So, and that's what I was saying about, about labels is, yes, it's fine to identify what the issue and challenge is. But what we've seen most often is that starts limiting and the abilities because people use that as an excuse not to teach. Just like your son, they were saying, well, we're not going to teach him to read because he can't read. He's not going to be able to read, so why teach him? No. You may take longer. I mean, what brings comes to mind is Helen Keller. They thought she was completely out Absolutely. of it, right? And she was genius. I mean, level. Uh, you know, she could do amazing things. But we, they weren't able to communicate with her. And once they did, then she blossomed. And a contemporary example in the autism, uh, autism world is Temple Grandin. If you don't know the name, look it up online. Temple Grandin, there was a movie made about her life. And she was never going to accomplish anything. And she's now like a, literally a college professor. And she was severely impacted by autism. And now she's very high-functioning because they they've found ways to to tap into her brilliance and yeah it's like a typical kid too right like if a kid's being annoying you don't say go away you're annoying we should say go away what you're doing is annoying there's a difference right you don't want to give them the label of you are annoying that's not helpful whether your special needs or not right and and some <clears throat> some practical things that you can do as well to improve the environment, to make it more conducive to learning, and to call, uh, be a calming environment and 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 loving environment to to help the children, if whether they have challenges, particular uh, you know special challenges or not, all children benefit from a, a a good environment. So some things that are very healthy, for example, playing a lot of classical music in the home. The more the children of any age listen to classical music, particularly of the Baroque period, but anything really that that's, that's classical. Um, that that really makes a difference in their emotional state and their mental state and their ability to learn and how quickly they learn and healing from um, learning disabilities. Yeah, that's shown in many in many studies that uh, the classical music actually increases the synapses in the brain, so it increase, increases the connections. So that the whatever and it does work more with either brain damaged children or young children because that's when the synapses are created more rapidly and this and the classical music does a, a better job creating that so that does help and it also uh the other the dissonance in, in the rock music and other things tends to stop that stop the synapses from growing so if the more connections you have in your brain the easier it is for you to process things and you want to provide a structure and some predictability and you want to give them a lot of tactile input too because that's a way that uh, mm -hmm. uh all of us in our early development really learned and they're going to be slower so we might give up on some of those tactile things uh, because it doesn't feel age appropriate but de developmentally it's still appropriate so we want to tap into that and you know this is going to be politically incorrect but we've done it before on this show i know there are a lot of people in this community that probably would sing the praises of rock creek elementary school which is the maybe the primary special needs school in frederick county our experience there was absolutely horrific and I've heard from enough other parents that have had an absolutely horrific experience, and they were in the news again. Was it last year or two years ago? Uh, it was part of what led to Albin's ouster. So if you've got a special needs child, you better be really, really involved and in tuned and do not take them at their word. I'm telling you, one parent to another. Um, I'm sure there's some really good people stuck in that system, good teachers and stuff, but as a general rule, I... 
if when you can get somebody who's awake to what's going on and who will be honest and trust that they can be honest with you, you will hear some horror stories about that school. So just that's a practical, politically incorrect thing for me to have added here at the end. So if, if worse comes to worse, homeschool. And you know, that's why I asked David. Most people, the advice we were given, because we pulled them and we homeschooled them. And we were told, you don't want to do that. It's too hard. It's too difficult for the parent to, uh, to take care of a, of a special needs child anyway. You add the burden of homeschooling. It's going to destroy the relationship. And i got to tell you that the exact opposite is what happened. Absolutely. In fact, what you said is the more involved the parent is, the better the results. And, yes, it's going to take us away from our job or other activities. But the, the, the dividends you're going to get from putting that time into that child it was is insurmountable. I mean, you put the time in when they're young and when they're needing, and then you'll get a lot better dividends in the future. So that's going to wrap on this show. Thanks for listening to the Faith Debate this week on News Radio 930 WFMD. Find us online at WFMD.com. You can find my church online and connect to all of us through that. It's householdoffaithinchrist.com. Uh, Imran, Daniel, David, and me are all pastors of house churches in the area. So if you're looking for a house church uh, or any church, really, uh, let us know and we'll do what we can to help you. Till next week, God bless.